Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I've been doing a series called Tis the Season. And uh, as I was reading uh, this past week, I read about a man who was doing a seminar And he talked about, uh, to his audience, he said, I want you to stop for a moment and get a mental picture of what you perceive as peace. What is peace? And he gave them a moment to think, and then he began to ask them questions. It was a small audience. began to ask them questions about what they perceived peace. One man said his idea of peace was a beautiful field that had flowers in it and beautiful trees. Lady said that her view of peace was a a snow-capped mountains, kind of an alpine, a scenic view. One man mentioned a lake, a very still lake with trees and mountains all around. As they went through and just listened to the audience talk about their mental picture of peace, he said there was one common theme. There were no people in it. (laughs) This, uh, This morning, I want to talk about tis the season to walk in peace, but I have to take a little bit of a different approach to it because When we're walking in peace in this season, there are going to be people in it. Even if you live by yourself, you are going to find that you're going to be interacting with people all during this season. It is a pressure-packed season, so how do we walk in peace? Let me just give you some practical tips, and uh, these are not scriptural or anything. This is just practical. It will help you with, with the season. Here's the first one. Do not overcommit your schedule. You said, well, you're a little late with that, Alan, because my schedule is already jammed up. But if you think about it, it's, it's a lot of times the overcommitting and going all over the place can really just, it can wreck your peace. The other one is, uh, now you can do this. The other one is stay away from the pressure points or those topics that you know are going to be awkward or cause problems. Just stay away. You know what they are. You've been with your family and relatives long enough. You know what happens. Little girl came home from school. She had an assignment. She had to ask her parents, where did people come from? So she asked her mom. She said, Mommy, where, did, where, did, where do we come from? Where do people come from? Her mom said, well, sweetheart, said that God, in the very beginning, when God created the earth, he created man, male and female, Adam and Eve, and we came, he were made in his image. That's where we came. So she went and asked her father. Father had a different perspective. He gave her the theory of evolution, how it was kind of, we were a goo, and then we developed and became monkeys, and we came from monkeys. Little girl went back to her mom. She said, I'm confused. She said, "Um, you say that God made us, and we came from God. Dad said that we came from monkeys. Who's right? Her mom said, well, she said, well, darling, said, there's no confusion there. We're both right. She said, I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about... (laughs) his side of the family. Do not try that at home. But there are topics and things that we can just simply, if you just stay away from, you don't have to win, you don't have to be right. And uh, it'll keep peace during the holidays. The last one is this. Always encourage people, be careful about building up Christmas too much. And having Christmas, you know, Hallmark ruined a lot of people about Christmas. Of course, they start in July. But uh, it it ruins people about Christmas. They think everything's going to happen wonderful at Christmas. And at Christmas, 
mean Uncle John, who's been nasty for years, is going to not be nasty anymore. No, he's going to still be nasty because that's, that's who he is. But if you build everything up, you build up high expectations and realities down here, right here is where people get disappointed. And so have realistic expectations about Christmas, and that will help you with what they call the post-holiday letdown. That when Christmas is over, if you haven't built it up so huge, then the letdown is not so much. And a friend of mine has, I think, some great advice. He said, hey, he said, expect nothing, be thankful for everything. And that will help you have a, a very, very happy or happier or more peaceful Christmas season. But there's another peace, and thank God for this peace. There is a peace that comes from God. And the peace of God is a, is a wonderful thing. God wants his children to have peace. Look at this verse here, Thessalonians. Paul was writing, he said, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. If you're a parent, you understand the idea of wanting your child. No one likes to see their child nervous and tense and upset or their grandchildren that way. You want to see them in peace. You want them to have peace. And so God, who's an even greater father, wants his family to have peace. And he said he can give us peace in so many different ways. Here's the key. Once we have his peace, we have to really choose that path. To walk in peace, we have to choose that. Because God's peace doesn't just come and just overwhelm you and all of a sudden you're just nervous and then you just have this overwhelming sense of peace. Typically, it's, it can be very quiet and we have to pay attention to that and walk in it. A number of years ago when uh, Matthew, my oldest, graduated from high school, he, he, went, he graduated early and went down to Bolivia and was doing missionary work in Bolivia with one of our missionaries, Ben Gill. They were up in a city called El Alto, which is about 12,000 feet. And they were, we, we got a call from him one day. We were, we were Skyping with him, and he told us to pray for him because they were getting ready to go down into the jungle, leave El Alto. They were taking a truck with supplies down into the jungle, and they had to, to go on a road that was nicknamed by the Bolivians Death Road. Death Road is not what you would like to hear that your child is going to be traveling down. That does not just immediately bring feelings of warmth and peace. And so we were, we were talking about that, and evidently there's this road. It starts in about El Alto. It starts at about 12,000 feet. It goes down into the jungle, and it's considered one of the top five most dangerous roads in the entire world, and a lot of people had been killed on it, thus the name Death Road. So we get out of that phone conversation, and obviously Joy and I are now talking. And we're like, well, there's nothing we can do about this. Can't change it. Can't do anything about it. Thank God we can pray. And so as we prayed, we just both had a sense of peace. A sense, and I, I, it wasn't an overwhelming thing, just a sense on the inside, it's going to be all right. I mean, no, that really is what peace is all about. It's just this, on the inner, you just have a sense of, all oh, hell can be busting loose all around you. But on the inside, you got this, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And if it's going to be all right, I've got peace. So we were, we were doing good with that. Matt was getting ready to go, and somebody sends me a YouTube documentary on death row. <laughs> and I started watching it. And man, I, I had not seen what that road looked like, but this was a documentary, and it, it talked about the fatalities. And, and I finally, I just, I cut it off and stopped watching it. I don't need to know everything about death road. If the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. I'm going to hang on to that peace. So here's the thing. We have to choose to walk in that. 
When, when we get a sense of that peace, we got to hang on to it and don't let anything steal it. Peace. Tis the season to walk in peace. I want to tie in a Christmas story that we normally think about as a Christmas story, but it really is a story about a man who chose a path of peace. He's the unsung hero of the Christmas story. His name is Joseph. He's the husband of Mary. He was the, 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 the man that raised, he was Jesus' earthly father and did a great job. But I want you to see what happened to him and how he really, how his thinking and how, his, how he acted brought peace into his life. Let's read his story here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. When we read the Christmas story, it's so, it's so tempting to put it in Hallmark or Christmas card type settings where everything is beautiful and everything is wonderful. I, I, I keep thinking that away in a manger, you know, but no crying he makes. I bet the baby cried. I bet Jesus cried. He was a real baby. But we, we make it so, so sterilized that we don't think these are real people dealing with real things. Now imagine, for, for example, you were Joseph. And you're betrothed. The betrothed in the, in the Jewish culture, betrothed means you were, every, it, it, was, it was almost considered a marriage. You've done everything but the ceremony, the ceremony and the consummation of the marriage. So it, it, was, it was a very, very close relationship. And Mary is found with child by the Holy Spirit. But the idea that she was found with child by the Holy Spirit is not selling well. Now you think, well, if I'd been there, no, no, no. You know the story. They didn't know the story. So all of a sudden, the word begins to go out in this community. Mary has, is, is pregnant. And Mary goes to Joseph and says, Joseph, don't worry about it. I'm pregnant. It's nobody else. It's the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. It's not, no, come on. <laughs> now, we're talking about a very strict society, too. And uh, could you imagine how that was going to fly? Hey, I'm pregnant, but it's okay. It's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't working with anybody, including Joseph. And so, but what we see with Joseph is that he was able to think beyond his hurt. You, by all appearances, Mary had cheated on him. By all appearances, Mary had been unfaithful to him. And if you've ever had someone be disloyal or cheat on you, it's painful. That hurts. And there's no way he wasn't hurt by this. There was no way his pride wasn't hurt by this. There was no way that he didn't feel what you would feel if someone had done something like this to you. And yet he did not respond that way. And he was actually able to think beyond that hurt and thought, thought beyond getting even. The fact that Joseph, even though he thought Mary was lying, Joseph was not going to make her a public example. 
And he could have. He could have said, look what she did. This is horrible. He was going to do it secretly. He was able to think not just of himself and how he'd been affected. He was able to think about Mary. Think beyond his hurt. And we see also that Joseph was not a rash man. That Joseph was actually thinking about these things. He was, he was not, he didn't knee-jerk them. He was, he was thinking, okay, how do I do this? So he didn't respond super fast. And he didn't just, just, just out of just anger and frustration respond. He, he stayed calm enough to think through. And in his thinking through, it gave God time to talk to him. And God sent an angel and a visitation to him. And when Joseph woke up, he didn't rationalize, the, the, he didn't rationalize away the, the angel. They wake up and go, whew, man, that, what did I eat last night? That was wild. He, he listened to what the angel said. The angel gave him scripture, told him what to do. And Joseph did exactly, even though it wasn't the easiest path. Do you realize that marrying Mary, he took her, had the ceremony, she became his wife, and he, he, did, he didn't touch her until she gave birth to Jesus? Do you realize that was difficult for him? Because it, it could have, you know how people talk. He could have looked weak. He could have looked like he slipped up. There's a lot of things that people could have said. And so by obeying God, Joseph kind of put himself out there. It didn't look like the easiest path, but it was the best path. And it was a path that we see his character. And it was a path that this was a man who was instrumental in Jesus' early years. That this was a man who found a path of peace. How do you find how to... How do we find peace today? A path of, of peace. And I want to give you some different ideas. Just some, maybe some different ways of thinking. And if we think differently, it'll help us. Here's the, here's the first one. If, let me kind of play out a scenario here. Imagine just for a moment that you were a billionaire. Now don't get lost in that thought, just, but just hang, just, just hang with me just for a second. You're a billionaire and uh, you... You, you have to fly up to New York City to check on one of your companies that you've invested in. And so you don't, you don't fly Southwest. You're a billionaire. You, you charter a jet or you borrow a friend's jet and you fly up to, um, uh, to New York City. You land there, catch a taxi from the, from the airport to downtown, maybe let's say 6th Avenue, Avenue of the Americas. And uh, you pay the taxi cab driver with cash but when you're paying in with cash, you accidentally drop a $100 bill on the floor of the cab. So a $100 bill is now lying on the floor of the cab and you get out. And when you get into the office, you, you start checking your, your wallet and you realize, oh no, I dropped a $100 bill in that, in that cab. How many of you know, if you're, remember you're a billionaire, right? And by the way, if you are a billionaire, don't forget the end of the year is coming up. I'm just, it's just, it's just, but, you're, you're a billionaire. Are you going to go crazy trying to locate that $100 bill? No. You're, you're not going to go, oh, my gosh, I, I dropped a $100 bill in the cab. Get the, get the cab company on the phone. Find the number of that cab. Find where that dropped. You're, you're a billionaire. You're loaded. You got 100 bucks is nothing to you. So you don't worry about it. You move on down the road. You say, why are you talking to us about this? Because I want us to take on a different thought. What if we begin to think like the blessed and not like the hurt? 
What if we begin to think like we are blessed people? We're not hurt people. We're blessed. So I don't feel so blessed. I didn't ask you how you felt. We're thinking, are we, we're the blessed. Did, did God help us? Has he blessed us? Has he been good to us? Listen, Peter wrote this, and this is what he wrote. Look, look, at, how he, look at how he writes. He's talking to blessed people. He said, finally, all of you be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So wait a minute, hold on a second. What's he doing? He's talking to people who are blessed. He's like, don't get so caught up in what someone said. How many of you know you can lose peace so much thinking about what someone said to you, what someone did to you, what someone might have said, what they posted, what they've done, and you can lose all of your peace because you're acting like the hurt. What if you're the blessed? And if you're the blessed, you don't let little things bother you just like you don't let a hundred bucks bother you if you're a billionaire. So you're a blessed person. And someone, and someone says something, you're like, oh, bless their heart. Now they know, you, you know the code, don't tell them the code. But you're, you're, not as, you're not as caught up in it and not as caught up in getting even. Anybody ever, besides me ever wasted time thinking about someone said something to you or did something to you and then for the next two weeks you're lying there in bed and you're thinking, okay, well, they're going to say this, but then I'll say this and then they'll do this and then I'll do this and then this will happen and I'll see them and then bam, I'll drop the hammer and I win. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. So just indulge me just for a second. Y'all pray for me. Pray for Alan. He needs help. No, all of us have done that. And we get caught up in our mind and we begin to loop the problem and loop the problem. We're acting like the hurt instead of the blessed. We're the blessed. We don't return evil for evil. We don't return reviling for right. We're blessed because we don't want to get out of the blessing line. Because the blessings of God are coming upon us. We're looking for the blessings of God. We don't have time for the hurt. That'll make all the difference in the world. True story I read a number of years ago. I've never forgotten it. True story about a lady named Muriel. When she was a child, she was abused horribly. And by the time she was in her early teens, her, she had been visiting psychiatric hospitals. In her 40s, she had been through countless counselors, psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists. She'd had in and out of, of hospitals. She'd had 61 electric shock therapies. She was on a cocktail of anti-this and anti-that. They said it was enough to subdue a blue whale. And when she went to this one therapist, she was not optimistic at all. She had been there and done that. Things had been done to her when she was a child that were cruel, that were godless, that should have never been done. When she sat in front of this therapist and told him her story. He listened. Then he asked her a question. He said, Muriel, he said, what would your life have been like if someone had come up alongside of you when you were 14 and pointed out all your strengths instead of telling you how sick you were? She said she'd never thought about that before, ever. She said, I never even considered it. it, it he, she said, and I realized something right there. She said, 
my life can be different. I'm not stuck living the way I am. She said, my life can be otherwise. She said, and I decide to live it otherwise. She said, I changed my mind about who I was and everything changed in my life. I thought, you know, and that's a true story. Mark Batterson tells it. He's a pastor. But it, it's a, a true story about a lady who began to change how she thought. And I thought, this season, wouldn't it be good if we just went into this season thinking like we're the blessed instead of the hurt, that God has blessed us, that we are his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that we've been called out of darkness so we can show forth the praises of God who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think like the blessed, not like the hurt. Here's the second one to help you. Begin to, begin to operate intentionally and, and not as, as much reactionary. Intentionally means we're going to slow things down as opposed to simply reacting. Now, keep in mind, I, 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 my, my tendency has been, uh, I've told you about joy, and I, it was Hurricane Joy and Tornado Al. Um, joy, she doesn't have a quick temper. She, it, hers builds, and you could, just, you could feel it. You could walk in the house sometime, and you feel the barometric pressure has dropped severely. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, it's coming. I, I've tended to be more of a, like a tornado. I drop down and hit and gone. I'm gone. I'm over it real quick. Still no, no bueno. We, we need to begin to slow down. Here's a great proverb for this. It says, it says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Now, we don't use the word folly as much today. We don't look at your child and go, stop the folly. What, what, <laughs> what we do say is, hey, don't be stupid. So this is, <laughs> you know I'm in trouble with Joy, don't you? She's not here, so I'll say stupid, but I'm in trouble. <laughs> he who's impulsive, it says, he who is quick exalts folly. The Bible tells us to be quick to listen, quick to forgive, quick to obey, and slow down about everything else including slowing down our, our, our responses to things. You know, the Navy SEALs actually know that. Navy SEALs have a motto that says, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Slow is smooth. What they're talking about is teaching themselves to move in a way that even though their minds are thinking, they're moving in a way that they're not making mistakes or knee-jerking things, and so they're able to execute what needs to be done. Now, they're killing people. You're not killing people, but here's the thing. We need to think, when it comes to our words and our temper, slow is smooth. Smooth is good. Because if we don't respond so quickly, we're going to be a whole lot better off. I, uh, I have a, a standing rule that whenever people send me ugly emails, I don't typically respond to them uh, until the next day. Because you ought to see my first response. It is not good. Someone... Someone sent me an email one time and, and said, I'm leaving the church because you looked at me wrong. I'm like, this was when we were a lot smaller. I'm thinking, I don't remember even looking at her. I wasn't looking at her. She might have passed my field of vision when I was having gastronomic problems. You know, I, I don't, she got the look. I didn't, it wasn't, it's gas, not you. But she wrote me this letter and, I, and I've gotten them over the years. And I've gotten much worse than that and ugly letters. And a lot of times I'm sitting down and I'm writing a response. And here's my response. 
it's not very pastoral. Thank God for Wilma Hector, who's been my administrative assistant for about 23 years. I hand it to Wilma. Wilma looks at it and goes, <laughs> that one ain't going nowhere. So you, you, if you wait and let it sit for about 24 hours, then you walk back the next day and go, whoo, did I write this? No, let's, let's try again. A little grace, a little love. If we slow down, it's going to work a lot better. Joseph wasn't rash. And listen, when we slow down, it gives God a chance to get his wisdom into our lives. Last one is this. If we're going to have peace, the path to peace is we obey what God asks us to do. We simply obey him. You know, the closer we walk to him, the more peace we have. He is peace. And the closer we walk, he, he instructs us to do something, we do it. And, and we don't rationalize it away. We don't logic it away. We just begin to do it. And it makes all the difference in the world. I, uh, my, our first church was, uh, Joy and I tried to start a church in my hometown uh, and years ago, about 1989. And it, 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 was a, it was a colossal failure. And we shut it down. Well, for years, I did not want to start a church because I knew it's a harder path. And I didn't, I looked all over for, for some other place and someone wanted a pastor. Surely they wanted me. Surely somebody, nobody wanted me. And I, I remember I was trying to, you ever tried to talk the Lord into changing his mind? It just doesn't work. You're, you're wasting time. And I, I finally realized obeying the Lord may not seem to be the easy path, but it's the best path. And it's always the one that comes with blessings. Look what it says here in Proverbs. My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. God has a path to peace. And our objective is, Lord, we just need to get on it. I was reading in um, a, an article this week about uh, the San Bernardino shooting about six years ago. You might remember that. It was in California where two gunmen broke into a, a county public office and uh, unloaded about seven, 60 to 75 rounds out of their automatic weapons. There were two people there in that uh, sitting side by side. They were co-workers, a little girl by the name of Denise Perezza and uh, her co-worker, a man by the name of Shannon Johnson. Denise, 27 years old, Shannon, 45 years old. And they were sitting there talking about how slow time was moving, Christmas season, yada, yada. All of a sudden, these gunmen burst into the room and start shooting them. Everyone hit the floor. And Denise said that she, she didn't hardly remember anything that went on. You can't, sometimes your mind can just blank out. She says, the only thing that I remember, she said when we hit the floor, she said, is, is Shannon grabbing me with his left arm and pulling me close to him and shielding me with his body. She said, the only thing he said to me, she said, I remember these three words. She said, I got you. I got you. Denise said that uh, the gunman continued to shoot. She walked out alive, not because they missed her, but because the bullets meant for her hit Shannon Johnson. She talked about him later as being her hero, someone who gave, literally gave his life to protect hers and talked about those three words, I got you. When I read that story, I thought, hmm, I can relate to that. We have someone who shielded us from death. In fact, he took death for us so that we wouldn't have to. And the words of Jesus to all humanity is, 
I got you. You don't have to die and go to hell. You don't have to live without God. I got you. I got you. I got you. But it doesn't stop there. He doesn't just have us when times are tough. He never leaves us or forsakes us. We, he, he's with us all the time. Maybe you've spent the last 10 Christmases by yourself, but he's got you. You're not alone. And his knowing that he has us, he's got us. That's the foundation for peace. Peace today, peace all next year, peace for eternity. I got you. Would you bow your head for a moment? Father, thank you for your peace, a peace that can pass all understanding, a peace that you can bring into our lives. Thank you for showing us a path that has peace on it. And thank you for Jesus who went to the cross for us. Thank you that he's got us and that we have peace in him. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here or maybe you're watching online, if you're saying, you know what, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord, I'm not sure. Or maybe you realize, I did it one time and I've just gotten so far away from God. If either one of those situations applied to you, we're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come down to the front. But we're sitting right in your chair, right where you are. If you're watching online, there's prayers for you. But if that's you that I'm talking to and you say, you know what, I, I, I want to make sure that I have that relationship with him. Or I want to reconnect. I've been away. I want to reconnect. I, I want to be able to say, not only does he have me, I have him. Said your bow and eyes are closed. I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing. If that's you, would you slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I see those. Your hands went up all over. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah, way in the back. Got you. You put your hands down. We're going to pray maybe online. Obviously, we can't see your hand, but maybe that's you that you're, you're thinking about. Listen, we're going, to, we're going to say this prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church family. We're going to pray this prayer together out loud. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud so you can hear it. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But we're going to pray it with you as a church family. You pray it in here. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. For those in here, for those online, for those who will pray it in the future, Father, thank you that they've come out of spiritual darkness into your light. Thank you that they've come home. Thank you that you've got them. And Father, we rejoice with them. And Father, thank you for the good things that you have planned. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.